Malolele, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Kohokuhingwa, Kokoroi Hawkins. Coming up... Four families whose visa applications included a person with a disability, they all experienced either an outright rejection or significant delays. Immigration New Zealand is accused of discriminating against Pacifica visa applicants. Also... The Pacific Labour Scheme is a temporary labour mobility programme and really questioning whether that fits for purpose uh, for the aged care sector. Australia is urged to create residency pathways for Pacific workers and celebrations for Tonga Language Week are underway here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. The International Centre for Advocates Against Discrimination is urging Immigration New Zealand to change policy and legislation which it says shows a clear pattern of discrimination against Pacific people living with disabilities. The centre, along with disability rights organisation Fusi Alofa Association Tuvalu and the Tuvalu Climate Action Network, last month submitted a shadow report on the issues to the UN Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities ahead of its review of New Zealand. The report says New Zealand is failing to meet its international obligations under Article 16 of the Convention of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities by discriminating on the basis of disability in immigration proceedings in the Pacific Access category. This resident visa scheme is offered each year to people from Samoa, Fiji, Kiribati, Tuvalu and Tonga, including their partners and dependent children, to enable them to settle in New Zealand. Joining me is Aaron Thomas, the Policy and Research Coordinator for the International Centre for Advocates Against Discrimination. Bula Erin, tell us more about the findings of this report. So there are two main areas of concern. Um, First is that Immigration New Zealand said they do not record whether applications to the Pacific Access category are declined on health and disability grounds. Um, This resident visa is an important pathway for people from Pacific countries like Tuvalu and Kiribati to be able to settle in New Zealand each year. Um, And then the second area of concern that we touch on in the report is that New Zealand's Immigration Act prohibits immigration-related complaints from going to the Human Rights Commission. So this means there's no pathway for filing discrimination complaints at the national level, which limits avenues for justice, which should be accessible. That sounds pretty serious. Are there examples that, that have come up through the research that you can share? Yeah, so the basis of the report is responding to Immigration New Zealand's lack of transparency. And so without uh, information about how Immigration New Zealand makes decisions, we can't be sure if decisions are made fairly. And at the moment, we have evidence that they're not. And so we have community feedback about the experiences of persons with disabilities applying from Tuvalu. Uh, with our partners at the Fusialofa Association and the Tuvalu Climate Action Network. So our report details the stories of four families whose visa applications included a person with a disability. They all experienced either an outright rejection or significant delays, and then upon reapplying without the applicant with a disability, they were granted visas. So for some, this meant having to leave their disabled family member behind in Tuvalu. Man, um... I, I had a bit of a, a touch on not this aspect of it, but um, related aspects of the difficulties around this visa as well, where people are so happy that they've got it, you know, and then there's all these, this huge checklist that they have to go through to, to get it here. So who would have, I'm, I'm just trying to think, what would have, like, who would have advised them to actually leave out 
that family member to get to get through this process it just sounds like a horrible decision to even have to think of yeah with one or two of the families they actually contacted immigration new zealand and were advised to just reapply so after significant delays um, naturally you would ask questions about why you're not getting a response from immigration new zealand about the status of your visa and they just said oh reapply um and sort of the talk in the community was that try reapplying without uh, for example, the disabled family member. And once that worked for one family, it started to reveal this discriminatory pattern from Immigration New Zealand, which they do not document on their end. Um, so unfortunately, it's come out of the community of what's actually happening. What is the call here? What What is the the action that the report is recommending? Yeah, there are a number of recommendations, um, both around the acceptable standard of health policy, which is um, sort of the invasive questions that they ask around health and disability, which allow this discrimination to occur. Um, so we're calling for the removal of those aspects of the acceptable standard of health policy, um, especially the carve out for disability in the medical waiver section. Uh, so, for example, um, a person with a disability cannot even um, appeal based on a medical waiver through this policy. So there's virtually no pathway um, if an application is rejected. We're also calling for a reduction and or elimination in application fees, which can be quite prohibitive. You know, from the start, it can cost upwards of $1,000 to submit an application. And then when they ask you to reapply, it's an additional $1,000 um, to submit that. And then on a, you know, from a broader perspective, we also want uh, improved transparency from Immigration New Zealand about what's actually going on from their end, because clearly they have this information. And we also would like national level pathways through the Human Rights Commission to be able to file discrimination complaints um, in order to sort of have those pathways for justice. If anyone wants to read the report or access it, where can they find it? Uh, they can find it on the UN website or on the ICAD website as well. Um, we've reposted it um, and it's now publicly available um, under the Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities review page. RNZ Pacific has put in a request for comment from Immigration New Zealand through MB on this story, but has so far gotten no reply. While the Australian government has plans to bring in more aged care workers from the Pacific, the Development Policy Centre is advising caution. Australia is planning to bring the workers in under the Pacific Labour Scheme, which the Development Policy Centre, a part of the Australian National University, says is a good idea. It says there are good reasons to grow aged care participation in the scheme, with the sector facing an estimated annual staffing shortfall of up to 35,000 workers. The Australian government has said it will enable more women to participate, so improving gender equity in a so far male-dominated scheme. But the centre head professor, Stephen House, told Don Wiseman they will run into problems the way the scheme is structured for workers to come in for four years, then be sent off six months and allowed back in again for another four-year spell. He says they need a pathway to permanent residency. When you look at it first, it seems like a really good idea. You know, I think uh, like we associate the Pacific, you know, with a with a culture of uh, caring. We are very short of uh, aged care workers uh, in Australia. And then when you look at the Pacific Labor Scheme, so far it's mainly been used to bring out meat workers. 
uh, they're uh, mainly men, whereas the uh, aged care workers would be much more likely to be women, so it'd be good for gender equity as well. So at first glance, it's something that seems like a really good idea. But yeah, we've tried to issue a, a note of caution in response to this key fact that you mentioned, that the Pacific Labor Scheme is a temporary labor mobility program, and really questioning whether that fit for purpose uh, for the aged care sector. All right. So how does it work? These people are coming would come for a far longer period than those under the, the fruit picking scheme, for instance, wouldn't they? That's right. This is not the seasonal worker program. The Pacific Labor Scheme, it's now sort of wrapped up into this uh, PALM program, the Pacific Australia Labor Mobility Program. But yeah, the Pacific Labor Scheme uh, does, uh, allows workers to come to Australia to work in regional areas for up to four years. But after that, they have to go back. They can come again once they've been back out of the country for six months. But that's really not very satisfactory either. You know, obviously, you don't want people sort of living in one country, but having to go back every six months. So I think it is best to think about it as a temporary work program. And, you know, that's fine, I think, when it comes to uh, to the meat processing. I mean, even there, it can cause some problems. You know, you train people up and then you lose them. But I think it is a very different industry to the aged care uh, sector. And as you might know, uh, you know, we've had a lot of problems in Australia in the aged care sector, so much so that the last government was actually forced to set up a royal commission into aged care. And they came up you know, with a, a number of findings. And one of the key findings was that there was too much dependence on temporary workers. Uh, I mean, they're not talking about Pacific, the Pacific Labor Scheme, but just more generally, the aged care sector is very dependent on migrant workers. And many of those migrant workers are, in fact, uh, temporary workers. And it's not difficult to understand why that's a particular problem uh, in the aged care sector. You know, you're looking after people, you're looking after vulnerable aged people, and, you know, you want to promote continuity. You don't want people coming and going. So, in fact, you know, within the aged care sector, there is now this push to have a more permanent workforce, a, a workforce, you know, that wants to stay in the sector, that, that where there's some idea of career progression. And, you know, to our mind, this push to bring in more workers under the Pacific Labor Scheme just, just cuts right across that. And there's another aspect to this as well, because these workers will be able to bring their families in with them. So they'll find accommodation, perhaps buy houses or have long-term rental, fit into communities, the kids will start school, then they have to be uprooted and return home. It's quite peculiar. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's a, a new announcement uh, from the new Labor government is that they now will allow families to accompany workers, um, not under the seasonal worker program because they're, you know, the workers are only coming for a few months. It doesn't make sense to bring your family. But, yeah, it's a very good move to say that, yes, if you're coming to Australia for four years, we're not going to force you to be separated from your family for that long period of time. I mean, I think that never made sense. I think it's a very positive move by Labor to now say families uh, will be allowed. I mean, it's it's something that still has to be, the details have to be worked out. But over time, yeah, we would expect more workers uh, to be accompanied by their family. And, and then, as you said, that will just increase the number who want to stay on after the uh, four-year period. And so that's another reason why we should be looking at pathways to permanency. And so, yeah, we're, we're not saying uh, don't use the PLS to um, help solve our aged care workforce shortage. We're just saying right from the start, uh, think about pathways to permanency. And again, we make the comparison to the abattoirs, you know, the meat workers, where ironically enough, uh, they do have a pathway to permanency. 
uh, already established. And we just think something like that, I mean, if it could be put in place for meat workers, surely it could be put in place for uh, aged care workers. Not all of the workers will want to stay, but for those who do, and of course, whose employers you know, want to sponsor them, don't shut the door uh, at the four-year mark. Allow them to stay on and to continue to provide high-quality care, to continue to, uh, to develop their skills and to develop those relationships with their clients. Tongan Language Week is underway in Aotearoa, New Zealand this week, with schools and community groups organising events throughout the country. According to Statistics New Zealand, there are more than 82,000 people of Tongan heritage living in Aotearoa, and there are concerns about younger generations of Kiwi Tongans losing their mother tongue. RNZ Pacific's Fina Fonua has more. Ke loa whakatonga i Aotearoa or sustaining the Tongan language in New Zealand is the theme for this year's Tongan Language Week. It's not as poetic as other highly metaphorical themes in previous years, but the message reflects the primary purpose behind Tongan Language Week. Many Tongan migrants to New Zealand are unsettled by the decline of their native tongue among younger generations of Kiwi Tongans amalgamating into an Anglophone society. New Zealand parliamentarian Jenny Salesa, who is of Tongan heritage, says the initiatives taking place this week primarily target Kiwi Tongan children and youth. The majority of our Tongan people here in Aotearoa now are born and raised here, I think over 60%. A lot of our kids, unfortunately, don't grow up in homes where Tongan spoken as the first language. And this is one of the goals of Language Week, like this week, is to encourage more of our young people to learn about our language, to learn about our culture. Dance and song have been key components of Tongan Language Weeks over the years. And this year is no exception, with general assemblies at schools all around New Zealand being treated to performances by students of Tongan heritage. Otohuhu College Tongan language teacher Dina Otonuku says traditional dances performed by students at her school brings out their mafana, or warmth of spirits. Otonuku says the cultural performances connect students to their cultural heritage. And the highlight of the day was a performance from disabled and special needs uh, students. And they did well, you know. You know the kind of mafana that Tongans have? And we didn't expect this to happen. All Tongan students on the stage joined in and... <laughs> Wow, it was incredible. It's events like this that have been promoted aggressively by New Zealand's Ministry for Pacific Peoples. Annual Pacifica Language Weeks have been in place since 2010. Minister for Pacific Peoples, Apito C.O. Williams, officially launched the week in a ceremony held on Sunday. He urged the Tongan diaspora to actively support Tongan Language Week and said there was a steep decline in the Tongan language among the younger generations. Sadly, only 12% of Tongans under 15 spoke the language in New Zealand. That's a decline of 9% since 2006. Language Weeks is the ideal time to support the push to revitalize Lea Whakatonga and embrace our Tongan brothers and sisters' culture, language, values and traditions. During her public consultations regarding Pacifica Language Weeks, 
Jenny Salasa says she has heard many young Kiwi Tongans complain of an identity crisis. Salasa says language weeks are a temporary relief for many young Pacifica who feel culturally suppressed. Some of them say that they would just like to be acknowledged as a Tongan, not just during language weeks, where we encourage and acknowledge Tongan in the school. They would like actually their identity and their culture and their language and who they are to be acknowledged and respected throughout the whole year and not just within one week. Wike katoa ngai oelea whakatonga o Tongan Language Week ends this Friday, September 9th. Malo Aupito, that brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Malo.